You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. My name is Reverend Vanita Rodman Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, hers. It's been awesome worshiping with you today. Um, shout out to our virtual community joining us from really all over the world. Let's pop it up for our virtual community. We know we have people joining us from Kansas, and there are also people joining us from the San Francisco Bay Area. So we're an equal opportunity church, just to let you know. Um, on this Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so um, there is a, a content warning. Some of what I'm initially going to share could certainly elicit some emotions. So I'm just encouraging us all to take care of myself, ourselves as we share um, some of the statistics that I'm going to share today. So um, as many of you may know, I enjoy writing and I enjoy reading as well. And I have um, several journals. I have a significant amount of books um, related to spirituality, history, anti-racism, education, health and wellness, and the list goes on and on. I even have a Kindle. Uh, I have Audibles. However, recently I realized a very interesting fact. And this fact about my life came about after our Palestinian Liberation Task Force meeting. It was an awesome meeting with some dynamic individuals who attended. And I realized after going home that with all of the reading material that I have consumed, I do not have one hardcover reference book or publication outside of the Bible which would actually provide a glimpse into the historical context for the humanitarian crisis occurring right now in Gaza. Throughout my academic and religious journey, I really don't remember being encouraged to learn anything about Palestine or its people. Nor do I remember taking the initiative to learn. Fast forward to today. What I am learning about this crisis is overwhelming. It is enraging and it's also heartbreaking. What I am learning is that the massive destruction and devastation in Gaza is unimaginable. What I am learning is that over 10,000 Palestinian children, and this is a few thousand more people than the population of downtown Brooklyn, have been killed in Israeli attacks on Gaza since October 7, 2023. Many before their first birthday. What I am learning is the truth, that this humanitarian crisis deserves my attention. It deserves our attention. Theologian, scholar, minister, educator, author, 
James Cone, says this. To know the truth is to appropriate it, for it is not mainly reflection and theory. Truth is divine action entering our lives and creating the human action of liberation. I'll share that again. Truth is divine action entering our lives and creating the human action of liberation. Throughout this current sermon series, which is entitled Disruption, we've actually been talking about various stories related to our lives and how things are going relatively smoothly. And then out of nowhere, there's a disruption in our lives, causing us to pivot, causing us to reposition ourselves, causing us to reimagine what path we're going to take and sometimes change up our plans and maybe even our dreams. That type of disruption. What if today we think about the role that we could be potentially playing in disrupting God's plans for justice? What if we reflect on how we can change when we fall short of pursuing God's plans for justice? What should our collective response as a faith community be when humans disrupt God's plans for justice? As Christians and followers of Jesus, we practice loving God. We practice loving ourselves and loving others as well. We put into motion caring for the oppressed in so many ways to put the teachings of Jesus into practice in our daily lives. In the Bible, there are a number of stories that illustrate how Jesus understood and practiced justice, how Jesus drew close to those in need, how he disregarded and disrupted harmful political opinion and gave life and freedom to those who were suffering, to those unable to live life to the full. I imagine this world would be a better place if we did as Jesus did. I believe the world would be a better place if the human action of liberation was seen as sacred work. Jesus practiced justice when he touched and healed those who were deemed unclean. In Matthew 8 and 22 to 3, we read these verses. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. In the eighth chapter of John, verse 7, Jesus shifted the paradigm when he cared for the woman who was brought to him because of adultery. The irate crowd wanted to do one thing, and Jesus did another. He cared for her instead of helping to facilitate her stoning. 
Let the one, Jesus said, who has never sinned, throw the first stone. In another instance, Jesus defied cultural norms and ignored how his actions would be perceived by healing a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. Mark 3 and 5 says he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. In this instance, Jesus was being watched closely. Others were looking at him to see what he would do because it was the Sabbath. And he questioned the religious leaders of the day about what is actually lawful on the Sabbath. Should we do good or should we do bad? Should we save a life or should we kill a life? In other words, I know what the law says. However, this person's life is in need of healing. This person is in need of a touch from the Lord. And clearly, that was more important to Jesus. Prior to Jesus's touched, these people's lives had been disrupted. They, they were up, upended through sickness and isolation, public shame, humiliation, and neglect. They lived in great despair. One could actually surmise that they were existing, not fully living. And Jesus offered hope through healing and restoration even though it seemed as if humans were trying to disrupt Jesus' desire for there to be healing and for there to be restoration. Jesus was attempting to introduce a new way of living. People were keeping their distance to the person with leprosy. Jesus wanted to heal them. People wanted to stone the woman. Jesus wanted to care for her. The religious leaders wanted to maintain stubborn hearts, and Jesus wanted to bring healing to this individual. As all of these individuals were disrupting, it seemed, God's plan for justice. There's someone who is um, very uh, famous in some circles and a hidden figure in other circles. Their name is Reverend Dr. Paula Paulie Murray. How many people have heard of her story? Just by show of hands. We have a couple. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So <clears throat> they were born on November 20th, 1910, and they lived for 75 years and passed away on July 1st, 1985. They were born Anna Pauline Murray, or fondly known as Paulie Murray. And they were a huge pioneer. And they did so much work that many of us have no idea about. And there was a documentary entitled, My Name is Pauli Murray. And in this documentary, I was so shocked to see so many ways, so many of the ways that Pauli Murray was able to advocate. Now, in terms of their pronouns, um, her family uses she, her pronouns, um, and the society that is working to keep her legacy alive, many of them use they, them pronouns because Pauli Murray was known as a queer, non-binary person who actually was a forerunner in civil rights. Um, during their day, they really weren't using the they, them pronouns. However, some say if they were living today, they would. 
They were an advocate, they were a legal scholar, they were a theorist, they were an Episcopal priest. Believe it or not, Pauli Murray refused to give up her seat 15 years before Rosa Parks. Believe it or not, her work has impacted the life and work of Ruth Bader Ginsburg in addition to Eleanor Roosevelt. Her work was monumental, and even Thurgood Marshall noted her work in her book, uh, State's Laws on Race and Color, and Thurgood Marshall actually cited this key document as saying that it was a seminal book in racial segregation history. So it's important for us to know about Pauli Murray. They were a co-founder of the National Organization for Women. Powerful, powerful human being who fought against all odds. They were actually the first uh, person, the first black person to receive a doctorate degree from Yale University. So honestly, I could keep going on and on about this pioneer, Pauli Murray, and they embodied hope. They went through so many, because of all of their various identities, they went through so many barriers, and they uh, experienced so much oppression and so many injustices that they faced throughout their life. They were marginalized in so many ways. However, Pauli Murray, as it related to hope, said, hope is a song in a weary throat, which is a powerful quote. And the hope that they had is a testament to the United States, as Reverend Dr. Pauli Murray will have a quarter named in their honor, and it will be the, the 11th quarter in the American Women's Quarter Program, and will celebrate more than 50 years of achievement in social justice, women's rights, civil rights, and human rights. Pauli Murray's niece said, when I see my aunt's face looking out through the letters of the word hope, it brings to mind that she never lost hope in a society and world that needed to change to embrace the rights of all humans. If we have all been created in the image of God, then like Pauli Murray, it seems we should seek justice and pursue liberation for all humanity, particularly when humanity is in crises all around the globe. The United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, or UNICEF, describes a human humanitarian crisis as any circumstance where humanitarian needs are sufficiently large and complex to require significant external assistance and resources, and where a multi-sectoral response is needed with the engagement of a wide range of international humanitarian actors. There are so many humanitarian crises around this globe. From the Congo to Syria to Ukraine to Ethiopia to Sudan and to Palestine, where the destruction, as I stated earlier, is inconceivable. When we don't take action, perhaps it can be said that we are causing God's plans for justice to fall apart. When we don't prioritize the concerns of the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, the imprisoned, when we don't care for the environment or for those who are unhoused, for those who are living paycheck to paycheck, unable to live in affordable housing, perhaps 
we are actively undoing God's creation and causing harm. Since we are privileged to have experienced freedom, how can we recreate God's plan for justice and advocate on behalf of others who continue to suffer? Now, I'm not saying that oppression does not exist and we live with the, and we live with the isms every day. However, as we continue to be liberated, how can we help to liberate others? The good news is that God can give us the strength, like Paulie Murray and like so many others, to pivot and to recreate something tangible, something meaningful in this world. We can be open to new thoughts and to new ideas that can propel us to help us move forward to bring liberation to those who continue to experience devastation in this world. I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. Even with every birthday that I have and experience, I celebrated a birthday last Sunday. And thank you. Shout out to all the Aquarians in the house. <laughs> with every year that comes, I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. I want to learn new things. I want to have new experiences. And this is where the Palestinian Liberation Task Force comes in. Led by a group of diverse individuals in this church, those who have come together who are very well resourced, who met this week to put their gifts together to be able to offer this church something. They want to be able to lead us, this church, in courageous conversations, in education, in advocacy, in supporting each other through this process, in empowerment as we learn together the religious context for all that is happening in Gaza to help us grapple with everything. And it's going to be a courageous conversation because it will be disruptive to a number of people who have not learned or who have learned a particular way. And I'm willing to learn alongside with the Palestinian Liberation Task Force and alongside our forefront community as they conduct teach-ins, bring in speakers, as we have book groups, as we are mentioning things related to these issues in our sermons. We want to have forward motion, and as a result of this task force, there is forward motion. So stay tuned, and as you hear of various opportunities, we are encouraging our church family to get on board to move forward with us as we continue to discern what we can continue to do to help bring liberation to these individuals and to get involved with other initiatives that continue to go on. Our um, justice and community partnerships deacon, Shana, has introduced us to a number of um, organizations in the community who continue to do good work. And thank you for many of you who continue to sign up. If you want to get Shana's newsletter that specifically deals with um, helping to support community organizations, please go online and sign up so that you can know what's going on. I know this Wednesday we have rekindled 
our partnership with the YWCA next door through Mary Obasi. We will be supporting the women there. So please join us in all of these efforts as we continue to help to liberate lives. Amen? Amen, amen. In this present day, it's so important for us to remember that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we can disrupt spaces and places when we move with our gifts toward justice. We can recreate God's plan in our lives, in our unique paradigms. We can shape and mold our efforts based on the gifts God has given us. Miriam Makiba, it's another name in not just black history here in the United States, but global history. Nicknamed Mama Africa, was a South African singer, songwriter, actress, and civil rights activist. Also a political exile because South Africa refused to renew her passport. And at one time she spoke before the UN Special Committee on apartheid, and this was back in 1963. And in her book, she says these words about that experience. I am very nervous. I feel certain that the time has come for the whole of humanity to shout halt and to act with firmness to stop these crazy rulers from dragging our country into a horrifying disaster. After she finished, she said, I sit back in my chair, feeling drained, but excited. At least I have spoken out. You ever have that feeling when you speak up for justice or when you try to right a wrong or say something to help bring freedom and liberation to someone or to something or to some system? You sit down breathe a sigh of relief and say, at last, I have spoken out. And that's what we want to continue to do as it relates to so many injustices all around us and throughout this globe. And we can say, at last, we have spoken out. And we are not alone because God has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Luke 18 6 through 8 says, so what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for her chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't she stick up for them? I assure you, she will. She will not drag her feet. And Micah 6, 8 makes it clear to us that all we need to do is do justice Love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Will you join me in becoming a lifelong learner today? Will you join me in adding more material to your libraries like I intend to do? Perhaps God is calling you and your attention and your priority to certain things. Consider that the Holy Spirit drawing you to that thing. Consider that an opportunity for sacred 
work as we turn our hearts, our attentions, our priority to, toward all God is calling us to do, toward change, in recreating God's plan for justice, not just in Brooklyn, but from here to the Gaza Strip. I close with Paulie Murray's quote that I stated earlier. Hope is a song in a weary throat. A weary throat but we still keep that hope alive. And I encourage you right now to reflect upon what your song would be in your weary throat. Just take a minute. What's your song? What's your hope in your weary throat? As I reflected on it, I thought about the refrain from Bless Me, Kirk Franklin and Maverick, and there's a portion of the song that says, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. That is my song in my weary throat. When I feel as if I don't have enough, when I feel as if I don't have the words to say, when I feel as if I don't have enough resources, that refrain keeps coming up for me as hope in my weary throat, I have everything I need. And I want to encourage us with that refrain. As it relates to what God is calling you to do, please know today that God has given you everything you need. And God will continue to see us through. And the people of God said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.